WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 8.14, you're listening to WGNS on this Monday morning, today the 16th of May, and in studio with us this morning we have Dr. Emmanuel Rowe, Assistant Professor of the Department of Engineering Technology. How are you this morning? I'm well, I'm well. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I, you know, off the air beginning right before the show, we were talking about <laughs> growing crystals. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this this is a, a, a real thing. It you is. Know, you're, you're growing I guess tell us more about it exactly because I, I would guess most people out there when they think of crystals they just think of you know they come from rocks right so the simplest crystal that you can grow is actually candy so if you take a bowl of sugar water and supersaturate the sugar in there by increasing the temperature and you drop a little stick on there you can start to nucleate the sugar crystals on the stick which is rock candy so I just take, instead of going room temperature with the water, I go really high temperature. And instead of doing sugar water, I do different materials based on what the outcome is going to be. And then I grow these crystals. Now, now, for those who are listening this morning, they're probably curious, well, why in the world are you growing crystals? <laughs> but but this, this I, I, I'm guessing a passion to some degree of yours has led you to where you're going to be stationed for a whole year at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and you're going to be working with crystals. But there's a lot more to this. There's a lot more to it. Uh, my background is in crystal growth, and I started off uh, right, out, right out of college out of North Carolina A&T in the semiconductor industry. I worked for a company named Cree, which grew uh, LED crystals, right? So the epitaxial layer that you grow so you can have a blue or green laser. So depending on the material that's used, that will tell you what color the laser is going to be. For example, I use gallium nitride, which typically emit a blue laser. But if you put indium or any type of other dopants in there or magnesium, then you can get a green laser. You can get different types of wavelength of the LED, which eventually could be a laser. So we're talking about the manufacturing of lasers, mm-hmm. which obviously are used in the military daily on, a, I'm sure, a number of different levels. Uh, but the crystal, is that the lens of the laser that you're producing? So my work is going to be around infrared lasers. So infrared lasers are based on the, the cavity that the laser emits out of. It emits at a specific frequency a specific uh, wavelength so i'll be working on a birefringent material which will be able to tune the wavelength of the laser that's coming out now now, the unique thing about this and and i didn't really i guess fully realize this until you were here tell me more about (laughs) the lasers some of these lasers they can go for hundreds of miles absolutely depending on the strength of it yes so you can use the lasers for you know um, 
in weapon heads to see exactly how far it is from the target before it emits or you can use it to track a target or you can use it to uh, destroy a laser that's following you because some uh, missiles are heat seeking and if you have an infrared lasers you can trick it into thinking it actually hit heat and it can detonate so take for example a sharpshooter who is with the military and their target is i don't know 10 miles away and they're using everything from missiles to to 50 caliber rounds but they're using i mean the bottom line is they're using a laser in order i guess to aim at that target and to make sure they hit the target um, but these lasers they're using, these are not the lasers you're buying at no. Walgreens. I mean, these <laughs> these are totally different. Absolutely not. These are totally different lasers that are uh, amplified and highly tuned for that uh, specific purpose. And some of those uh, lenses that are in front of it are tuned for that purpose as well. So that's what I've been told that <laughs> I'm going to be working on, some of which are above my, uh, my uh, uh, security clearance. So I've just been told, hey, we like these crystals that you've grown in the past. We have an interest for it, and we would like to see you grow some more. Again, with us this morning, Dr. Emmanuel Rowe from the Department of Engineering Technology at MTSU. And again, you're going to be going to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. You'll be there for a whole year. A whole year. And you're going to be, I guess, in their labs? Yes, Yes, I will be in their uh, research uh, materials directorate. So they've never had a crystal growth lab before or they've had one in the past and it's gone defunct. So now they're starting to rebuild it. So when you build a laser, you know, everything these days is so computer oriented. Can you, I don't know, can you build it to where you're seeing that laser, the computer is reading it and you're seeing it. Uh, you know, through the computer and able to actually move it towards a target, towards whatever it is you're, you're aiming for. So that's the electronics portion of it as far as the positioning. What I'll be doing is the actual internals of it. So before it's, uh, well, right after it's amplified, before the emission of the laser, it will go through the crystal that I, that I plan to fabricate. So the light behind the actual laser, mm -hmm. what generates that in order to go through that crystal and then come mm. out on the other side. So the lasing action is uh, amplification through a cavity. So essentially you generate a small amount of light and then you have two mirrors in there, essentially one mirror at 100% reflection and another mirror at 98% reflection. So as that light bounds from, from um, mirror to mirror, mirror to mirror, a little bit come out of the 98% reflection. So you have basically like a, a, a bunch of light bouncing, bouncing, bouncing until it builds up enough intensity for it to come out of one side of it. And, and then that intensity based on, I guess, the crystal mm -hmm. and uh, the and power the behind pumping. the laser, yes. um, you're able to then make that go 100 miles, 200 miles. What What is the furthest you think that a laser could actually go in the future? In the future? Uh, and what are we seeing right now, I guess? <laughs> Uh, in the future, it, it, it is, I'm not sure exactly how far it can go. Uh, I don't want to say it can go terrestrially because <laughs> my area is more into the, the material science and not the, the physics of optics. Uh, but I'm sure there are some lasers out there that can go far beyond what you can read in Google. 
So let's say in in a wartime, mm-hmm. this laser is being used on a target that is 100 miles away. Is that target able to actually see? No. They're not able to see it? No, because you have different uh, wavelengths of the laser, some of which you're not able to detect with your eyes. So you can have a laser that's shining on you that you're not able to see. It's not like in the movies where you see a red dot and you know, hey, it's a laser. Because that red dot is a is a uh, emits about 800 nanometers, right? So you can see you can still optically see that, but if you go at a higher uh, emission or a lower emission, your eyes aren't able to see anything beyond the optical uh, spectrum, the visible spectrum. So on, I, I guess the military side of it, their scope or their computer, they're able to see the laser you know what it's on and and yep. find out exactly where they are on the target. Yep. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. It's, it's pretty wild. It is. <laughs> Especially when you have a material that can change the wavelength of that laser. And years ago, before you, know, before you even went to college, did you ever think to yourself, one day I'm going to be working for the military on lasers? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. In high school, I played football. So I thought, hey, I'll just go to college and play football and that's it. But... I had this little thing in uh, my mind uh, called electrical engineering <laughs> that that kind of geared my life towards that um, that 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 future. So, well, you know, when I think of electrical engineering, I think of wiring up a house, an HVAC system, right. you know, stuff like that. Right. So there's different spectrums of it. So it's not so much as you know plugging something into the wall. That's one spectrum of it. The other spectrum is uh, semiconductor material, or it can be. Uh, feedback control it could be robotics it's a lot of different spectrums in electrical engineering now your background I, I know you earned your PhD from Virginia Commonwealth University but before that you went to a school known for agriculture so so how in the world did lasers I guess when did they come into play so North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University it is a HBCU that was founded on a land grant in Greensboro North Carolina so originally it was an agricultural school, but it developed to be uh, to have multiple majors beyond just uh, agriculture. Also, recently I found there's a lot of technology in agriculture. So, well, I mean, you're talking about growing crystals. I mean, that's part of agriculture. I'm sure there's a lot in that. Right. This is pretty much the same thing. So it's, it's like as a crystal grower, they say you can't be a good crystal grower if you don't know how to cook. And for you to be able to cook, you have to understand where your materials and your vegetables and everything comes from. So everything is a growth process. Even biology, to a certain extent, has a growth process when you're growing bacteria on a Petri dish. It's just how you select the the species you're going to grow and the uh, media that it's growing on. So instead of me using a Petri dish, I use really high temperature in a quartz ampule. So my growth mechanism is called Bridgman growth which essentially you have beads or powders that are in the solid form. You melt it at high temperature and you put it in a two zone furnace where you have a high temperature and a low temperature. And as you pass it through that temperature zone, you're able to solidify it one atomic layer at a time. So you literally will have a liquid on top of a solid made of the same material. And as you translating it through that transition zone, 
at that really, really low speed, you're able to control the nucleation of it. So kind of like in the rock crystal example, the sugar crystal example that I gave earlier, where that sugar is growing on the stick for the rock candy. So for us, for it to force to force it to grow, we're translating it through that temperature zone between the low temperature below the melting point and the high temperature above the melting point. So, and again, we're talking about crystals and then relating those to lasers, which is, mm -hmm. which is, you know, out of the realm of thinking for most. <laughs> but when you, when you make these crystals, when you grow these crystals, are you then literally cutting them to the shape you need? Yes. Like a gem, gemologist, I guess? Yes. Yes. So you, so after you have the bulk material to have the final product, you need to have it in the shape that you need. So you, there's one of two ways to do it. You could either grow it big and cut it down, or you can have a ceramic that's already made in the shape and the size that you want. So for example, some of the stuff that I work with as well are pressed ceramics. So you take a die that's the specific shape and size that you want. You press it to compress the material, and then you do something that's called hot isostatic press where you reduce the density of it to make it closer to unity uh, densification and then you have that material so it's a couple of ways of doing it and when you talk about a laser that is military grade and, and used with weapons or, or you know I guess any variety of things they could use it for uh, even I guess reading the distance in front of you mm -hmm. uh, but how big of a laser are we talking about here this is not something you hold in your hand I'm guessing no, depending on the size, it could fit on a table. It could be the size of that speaker or it could be the size of this little mute box right here, uh, depending on how you do it. Uh, some some lasers require cryogenic temperatures for it to operate. So before that laser comes out of that 98 percent mirror, it needs to be cooled to the right temperature for it to emit. So you're talking about a mechanism that would basically hold a, a refrigerator inside of it to have sub freezing temperatures and then after it goes through that it hits the crystal I mean, yeah this not, is a not necessarily a refrigerator uh, a cryogenic so you can have like a doer full of liquid nitrogen and liquid nitrogen could take it all the way down to you know 77 kelvins uh to cool it down so that that liquid nitrogen would that stay cool even in a hot environment and for how long if you isolate the liquid nitrogen it can but if you let it expose to air then obviously it's going to cool down or you can have a closed system that's a liquid helium cryostat that's more of the refrigerant that's flowing through it again with us this morning dr emmanuel rowe assistant professor department of engineering technology at mtsu at mtsu you're also teaching this stuff but how does it come across to students i mean are we talking about math here or what so the stuff that i do research on uh, uh, is not the stuff that i teach on so what i teach at mtsu is power and circuits so remember before you were saying when you think of electrical engineering you think of lights and how you plug stuff in so that's actually the material that i teach as far as power and circuits so I teach students how to, you know, exploit three phase power or how to make sure that the power coming into your house is the right voltage and the right amperage, you know, how to calculate a panel board, stuff like that. So when do you go to Dayton, Ohio, to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base? June 22nd. And you're going to be there 
solid for a year? Are you going to have breaks? How does that work? And how do, how do they find you? That's a very interesting question. How will it work? Uh, I'm assuming I'll get weekends off, but I don't know. <laughs> it's military. There's no telling. Right. There's no telling. But uh, my wife has been, has been pretty supportive in all this because, you know, we live in Nashville and we have small kids. So. Are you they know. coming with you? Or? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's where the supportive part comes in. <laughs> no. So we had to find somebody to make sure the kids get to school, the kids get picked up, and make sure the day-to-day of, of their lives doesn't get disturbed while I go and do this. And, you know, they understand daddy's going to do some pretty cool stuff. So, you know. It is pretty cool. And most people don't get this opportunity. Right, right. So the opportunity came about through uh, the National Academy of Sciences. So they have, um, you know, postdoc research associateship and senior research associateship where they provide you an opportunity to go work in a research lab under the umbrella of the National Academy of Sciences to develop or learn uh, from scientists that are already there. So, you know, I put in a proposal uh, maybe about a year ago and, you know, it went through the process and it was uh, funded and processed. <laughs> so, so when you look at lasers, I know there's, I'm sure, a variety of different types of lasers. Are there mm-hmm. atomic lasers? Are there, I mean, what all are we looking at? So me, I'll be looking at the output of the laser. So how the laser is made and how it operates, that's going to be on the laser guys. All they do is tell me, hey, we have a laser coming in at, let's say, 823 nanometers, and we want you to be able to double that frequency or reduce that frequency on the output of it. So from there, I would come up with some materials to co-op to, to accommodate that for them. Hey, lasers are also used in the medical field. They're used for, for cutting. Uh, but I'm curious, a laser that reaches, let's say, 100 miles away, could that be also used as a, a cutting mechanism from 100 miles away? It's the intensity and the wavelength of the laser. So a laser that can be used to cut or etch something will not be the same laser that you would use to detect something further away. So totally different types totally of Totally different types of technology. It's Absolutely. interesting, though. <laughs> Do you see yourself but working? You can't look, you can't uh, uh, shine either one of them in your eye. So that warning label that's on there, do not shine in your eye. Both of them should not be shined in your eye. It's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> so do you see yourself in the future working more in the military sector, working in the medical sector? I mean, where do you see your lasers being most heavily used in the future in your studies? So the the plan is once I um, gain all of this uh, information or, or this process, develop this process for the Air Force Research Lab that I'm able to, you know, bring some of that work back to Middle Tennessee State and expand on my research on campus and, you know, open it up to some of the students that, that are at the university as well. I, I guess so many things are developed from universities all over the country, things that are used and implemented daily in all of our lives in different sectors, of course. Um, But it's interesting to think laser research, and it has its roots in Murphy's Broad MTSU, (laughs) but it's wild to imagine it being used by the military. There's a lot of great things that has its roots in Murphy's Broad, Tennessee. (laughs) It's just fascinating, though. I I mean, who would ever think lasers? Right. So you are off in june heading 
headed to, I guess, Dayton, Ohio, about five hours or so from here, right? Five hours drive, yes, sir. Uh, definitely let us know what becomes of all of that, you know, what happens next. Absolutely. But it, If you'll it invite sounds, me back, I'd love to discuss yeah, it. <laughs> it. It sounds really fascinating. Again, Dr. Emmanuel Rowe with MTSU on the air with us this morning. And if anybody wants to learn more about sciences or engineering, any of that stuff at MTSU, it's all on their website. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Enjoy Time right now. Yeah, definitely. Time right now, 834. A check on the weather comes your way next. Skies become mostly sunny this afternoon, high in the low 80s. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, alone near 54. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 65. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. You can find us at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Animal City is Murfreesboro's longest-running and only family-operated pet store. Here at Animal City, we know how important nutrition is to a healthy pet. We are proud to carry full lines of premium foods to suit most critters. Come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants. Go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Good morning. It's busy, but it's moving on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area. All that traffic 24 westbound coming out of Coffee County through Rutherford County. Just busy out here on 41, especially between Laverne and the Smyrna area. Hey, Gatlinburg Wine Cellar, it's home of the world-famous cotton candy wine. Check them out in person with two locations in downtown Gatlinburg on the Parkway, online at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.35, you're listening to WGNS. Again on this Monday morning, today the 16th of May. And from MTSU in studio with us this morning, we have Lori Witherow and Gina Poff. And Lori is the Associate Vice Provost for Admissions and Enrollment Services. And Gina is Director of New Student and Family Programs. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Terrific. Thanks for having us. Definitely. So how is enrollment looking or how was it looking, I guess, over the past semester and going in to the new semester? COVID took a toll on enrollments across the United States, and certainly Tennessee was uh, no exception to that, but we have really good news about enrollment for the fall. Our freshman numbers are up, 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 and um, we're really looking forward to having a, a healthy freshman class coming in the fall. So that fall freshman class, are those numbers similar or better than pre-COVID? What are we looking at? Just a tiny bit better than pre-COVID is what we're looking at. So that's a a sigh of relief for all of us who work in enrollment. And how far was enrollment down during that COVID period? Because the pandemic, it lasted roughly two years. And, uh, you know, we just heard about the downturn of business everywhere, but for universities, what did you see? 
Well, at MTSU in particular, we were down about 9 or 10% in freshmen, but we looked to our community college partners as uh, our future uh, recruitment grounds because a lot of students will start at the community college and come to MTSU. And over the past two years, our community colleges in Tennessee have been down around 20%. Um, so that's rough. That's a pretty hefty number. And, of course, right now is that time that high schoolers are graduating all over the country, of course, right here in Rutherford County. And, of course, those who recently graduated college are also having the same ceremonies. But with high school graduation, are you seeing a lot of students who are holding off and then going back to school a year later, or are they going immediately from high school to college now? We saw that a lot more during the pandemic. Lots of students were taking a gap year uh, because of the uncertainty of mm -hmm. what was happening. They, um, a lot of them didn't like what happened when they were in high school and they didn't like the online learning um, because that transition to online learning was forced and it, we you know, didn't prepare for it as well in the high schools it, and they just didn't like it. So they didn't want to have the the potential of that happening again so i think i think now that things are better and we have a vaccine and there's more certainty um students feel more comfortable going straight into college it, it seems like you know throughout that covid period a lot of students they fell behind of what they should have been at you know come the end of those years um because you when, when a high school is not ready for something like COVID to hit, they're not ready to have all these online classes all of a sudden, it's going to push students behind. So I guess my question is, are universities like MTSU prepared for basically playing makeup to some degree? Oh, absolutely. Um, we are used to getting students um, ready for college and helping them to succeed. A, a big way we do that is through our orientation program to help them understand as they come in throughout the summer um, exactly what to expect. So they feel more comfortable when they come in the fall because they've seen the campus, they've seen what the classroom will look like, they know what their schedule is, and they, they just feel more comfortable in the transition. Uh, are students who are new all of a sudden having to sign up, I, I guess, are you seeing a higher number of students sign up for more remedial level courses this year or come this fall semester compared to years past before COVID was actually a problem? No, I'm not seeing that. Um, and I see all of the, the applications um, in the global sense are um, high school graduation, GPAs, um, I think are tracking right along and uh, so are the ACT scores you know there was a lot of trouble getting the ACT for some of these students they uh, didn't have opportunities to take it as many times as students do in the past we've seen students repeat the ACT many many times um, but the numbers are still strong uh, I feel really good about this class so uh, it sounds like students are or they did keep up to some degree of where they should have been. And, and so as they head into college, things should flow fairly smooth. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so when, when customs, when you talk about customs and students learning a new university, because these are students who a lot of them, well, probably most of them have never lived on their own. They're incoming freshmen. This is their first time away from home and they're learning to adjust. How does that usually work out? Well, what we try to do at orientation, which we call customs, is to give them a social 
uh, piece and an interaction with other students that are going to be in the same shoes as they are and then integrate them with our current students so we have student leaders that lead them around what they're trying to do is show them the ropes how how to how to best navigate the 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 new parts of their life um, how to sort of pull themselves away from mom and dad helping them do so many things we're trying to help create some independence early on um, we're we're showing them all the resources that the university has to offer so they know that they're not in this alone they they you know while their parents may not be down the hall um, there is someone down the hall that that can help them whether it's a tutor or an advisor or um, an RA that can assist them so our goal in the summer at orientation is to share this with them and sort of get them mentally prepared to take on some some new independence and allow mom and dad a moment to try to grasp that thought process too and and allow them to sort of let them spread their wings a little bit fly a little bit on their own so so for moms and dads out there who are thinking you know there's no way my son my daughter is going to be able to live on their own to adjust to you know, going to class, bringing home their homework, doing their homework, because, you know, I, over the years, maybe I never saw them do homework. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm sure a lot of parents are, are worried to death. They're scared. What would you say to those parents, though? Well, our vice president of student affairs has a has a slogan, and, and it's, you can do hard things. And part of growth is learning to do hard things and and the parents are there to and the guardians are there to support in the background and and it, that we don't want that to ever change we want that that support and that um ability to know that the students still have them on their side to be there but we want them to know that the university is now stepping in with a lot of opportunities for them to have resources to succeed and we know everybody's going to hit a bump in the road that is life um, particularly that freshman year as you're learning the new independence and how you know how it is to to feed yourself and to get yourself up and to make sure you're on time and to make sure that you're keeping up with your studies and that you're having a little bit of fun as well a social piece is so important that's what keeps them in plugged in on campus so we want to share that that we are here to help with that as well but parents are still a, a valuable uh, support system that we never want to lose they're they're not out of the picture as far as we're concerned so I, i'm guessing a lot of parents are usually surprised and probably relieved when they see that their child is is doing much better than they anticipated especially when it comes to you know a, a, a child growing into an adult figuring out how to go about their daily routine and planning it because there is a lot of daily routine they have to start over from scratch with mm -hmm. yes they I, I think there's a lot of uh, feeling at the end of that first semester of success and relief and, and parents are proud and students are proud that they have that they have done it and in the back of their minds they are probably going in thinking mom I've got this when they move in in August and then late August early September they're like whoa this is a this is a new reality but but by knowing that there are all kinds of people on their side at the university I think that's helpful um, they all they've got to do is reach out we've got lots of things and and resources in place to sort of assist with that Again, with us this morning, Dr. Lori Witherow and also Gina Poff from MTSU talking about new students coming into MTSU and uh, 
just the change of lifestyle for students coming into MTSU. So what all is going to be going on that first freshman year? Because I know you have just a multitude of different sessions and different programs. What all are new students going to see? At orientation, we're going to try to uh, teach them what the environment is going to be like that they're that they're going to live in and that they're going to walk in and work in. So we we do a campus exploration and we share buildings and and things that are going to happen, activities that are going to happen. We want them plugged in into the activities of campus. Um, they're going to get advised by their academic advisor, so they're going to understand what their major is, or if they don't have one yet, the opportunities and the the abilities that they have to sort of seek the things that they are interested in and where their interests lie, and they'll register for their classes. Uh, we talk to them about how to pay your bill and how to, you know, uh, use the rec center and how to use health services and all the things that that are built in to help them um, with a to z of of life so um, that's what we do at orientation we also again prepare them for the things that are going to happen in the fall all the things that, that that will enrich their their campus experience and um, allow them to network with other students and with faculty members and sort of start building that resume from the time that they walk onto campus are the majority of freshman students living on campus or off campus these days? It's about 50-50 with our freshman class. About half of them will live um, on the campus, um, but then many more will live in apartments that are adjacent to campus or just right off the campus. Um, and then still a good number will live at home and commute to MTSU. I know, you know, years ago parents could put money on their, their child's, uh, you know, food account. Uh, is that still something that parents do? Do they have like a little check card, credit card, and the student then uses that at the different restaurants on the campus? Yes, uh, they can put money um, just on their ID card um, that they'll have with them, we hope, um, and they can use that anywhere on campus, either in the eateries or, you know, if they need to make copies somewhere or uh, anywhere books, on the campus. So, that sure. Stuff. Okay. Uh, what, I guess, what are some good tips to give both to parents and incoming freshmen? I would say to, to sign up for our orientation program early. Um, the earlier they come, the, the larger the opportunity um, to get all the classes they want at the times they want them. We're gonna have classes for freshmen for the students who come in the very last custom session. They'll get a schedule of classes they, they need um, in order to graduate, the classes that are appropriate for them. But the students who come um, in the early custom sessions are gonna have the opportunity to uh, look at times that are best for them, um, shop teachers, shop different sections, get classes with their friends. So uh, I also really like the the feeling that students can have the feeling that ah, it's it's done. I have my schedule in my hand. I have my ID in my other hand. I'm set and ready to go to MTSU. I'd rather them not have that uncertainty all summer while they wait for their late uh, orientation session. Let's do that right now. So, so these months, like this month, next month, are these the months that students are putting their classes together, getting their IDs? Yes, we have our first freshman orientation tomorrow, and they run from uh, tomorrow, March the 17th, through the end of July. So there are 16 opportunities for students to come and experience campus, get those classes scheduled, and, and sort of like Laurie said, have a feeling of completion, and I've, I'm ready to move on and start you know, putting together what my dorm room's going to look like and, you know, 
have I have I gotten all the books lined up that I need to purchase and and I'm gonna read my summer reading book so that I've got a head start on that that first class assignment that they're gonna give us at orientation so um, we do start tomorrow and we run 16 sessions for freshmen so summer is quite busy for MTSU for very y'all at least. busy very busy yes <laughs> again with us this morning dr. Lori Witherow and Gina Poff if anybody out there listening would like to learn more about the different orientation dates, maybe parents out there listening, where can they find more information? Uh, the customs website, and that's mtsu.edu slash customs. Dates are there, lots of information about how we design the program and things to look for and things they can prepare, be prepared for before they, before they come. And are there certain, I, I don't know, orientation classes for parents as well these weeks to come? We do. We run a, con- a concurrent uh, group of uh, sessions for our parents so that they can be prepared and sort of hear a lot of the same information, but sort of in a different angle. So uh, the thought processes that, that they are having, we are trying to address those as well. And I would also tell students, check your MTSU email daily because we are sending so much information out and read those emails because that's going to help prepare you for everything that, that you're going to have in front of you. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Right now that time, 8.50. Stay with us. We have more news and information coming up. And Doug. Chances are you're jamming in your car right now. And since Liberty Mutual customizes car insurance, so you only pay for what you need, Limu and I are going to show you some safe car dance moves. Hit it. Everybody, check your blind spots real quick. Now hands on the wheel. Put them 10 in two and move your head like a bird do. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Why choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because our Sleep Number 360 smart bed is really smart. It senses your movement and automatically adjusts to help keep you both comfortable. Plus, it's temperature balancing so you stay cool. It's even smart enough to know exactly how long, how well, and when you slept. And to help you get almost 30 minutes more restful sleep per night. Sleep Number takes care of the science. All you have to do is sleep. Save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed Queen, now only $19.99. Plus free premium home delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. News time right now, 8.52. Now with us this morning, Becca Crockett, Director of the MTSU Career Development Center. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. So tell us what goes on in the Career Development Center. I mean, I could guess it has something to do with careers. (laughs) Tell us more about it. Yeah, and the Career Development Center obviously helps with careers, but one thing that a lot of people don't realize that we do is really help people find their way. 
So we do a lot of exploratory and major exploration appointments with students to really help them figure out if they're in the best fit for them um, academically and whatever they want to pursue with their life. So does this usually come after the freshman year? Are we looking more at juniors? What, what are we typically seeing as your client, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the, the largest number of students we serve, obviously, are seniors. They're the largest demographic because they are getting ready for that next step. Um, but then next to that actually is sophomores. So are you actually helping them with job placement as well to search out their career or mainly kind of, I, I guess, sculpture or, or sculpt that finishing touch on, on what they're going to be doing? It's a yes and. We help people with the full spectrum of services, everything from, oh my gosh, what should I study, to what do I do with this degree and how do I go about getting experience to be marketable upon the time of graduation. Once they are ready to search for opportunities, we then of course walk them through that process, help them make on and off campus connections, but it is up to the student ultimately to find the best fit for them. And something called Career 365 was recently launched on the MTSU campus. Kind of explain what that is. Yeah, so we are a small office, right? We have full three-time, um, we have three full-time career advisors to serve 20,000 students. So obviously it's impossible for us to meet with all of them. So it's really an opportunity for us to share the career best practices with our on-campus friends. And then, um, so everybody is giving the same information. So that's really the foundation of Career 365. I mean, you're talking about basically you're, I don't know, the HR department for a small town almost. I, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of people there. Yes, absolutely. So we have great allies on campus, and that's a component of Career 365 is really wanting to broaden that and to then also acknowledge those people that are already doing career work that may not know about the resources that our office offers and then industry best practices as well. So when students graduate, how often are they landing a job and are they landing a job with the help of MTSU outside of, of course, their degree, mm -hmm. but are they landing a job with the help of MTSU's different partnerships with different companies? Yeah, I mean, historically, and, and the tr trend has rang through that, that people are more successful based on a referral system, yeah. right? The hidden job market is alive and well, and students get into that hidden job market through the connections that they make through their academics. So a referral from a faculty member or an internship is the next best opportunity for them to find their next opportunity outside of academics. So it's really important for students these days to fully be involved with their professors, the different uh, programs. I mean, they need to really get involved instead of just coming to class. Absolutely. Right. I always tell students and we really help students say, who am I besides a student? Academics is absolutely very important, um, but it's only one piece of the puzzle, right? The other half of the puzzle is what are you bringing in addition to your academic degree? And how do you build that portfolio of on and off campus experiences that can show a future employer um, what you have to offer. Again with us this morning, Becca Crockett, director of the MTSU Career Development Center on the campus. And again, you're mainly working with a lot of seniors, some juniors, but mainly juniors and seniors, it sounds like. We are. I, we serve all students. And sometimes we also, you know, work with prospective students as well a little bit. So we help Gina and Lori. 
Um, but yeah, the majority of our work is really those people that are ready to spread their wings, if you will, and go out into the world of work. So kind of give us an example of who comes to you and why. Uh, I know you said a lot of seniors, but when they decide, you know, this is a field I'm going into, where do I turn next? Who, who are we seeing? Yeah, so oftentimes um, the academic advisors are one of our best referral sources just because they get the students first to either are not doing well in their academic program and usually they're not doing well because they realize they don't enjoy it. So they're feeling a bit lost. So we're usually the first stop after that point. And then the next largest group are those students who are like, okay, graduation's within a year or so, I better get my stuff together. Um, so we meet with those students as they think about what do I do and how do I market myself and what is even out there? I don't even know where to look. So we also offer um, Handshake is our job platform for students. So a lot of students don't know about that, even though they get lots of communication about it. But it's a really cool platform that allows them also to connect directly with employers. So if they don't have good faculty relationships to make those referrals, it's an easier way for them to make those connections. Are students sometimes surprised by what's available out there in the world of careers? Yeah, I often joke that our office is the best kept secret on campus, just because usually when people leave, they have a, a new piece of information that they didn't realize would make their process easier upon graduation. Do companies and organizations come actually to you and say, hey, you know, here, here's what we're looking for these days. We need to hire 20 extra people. Yeah, I mean, the, the market in Middle Tennessee is amazing, right? It's very robust. So we have great employer partners that are interested in recruiting our students. So I want to say last year we had something like 40,000 jobs just within our own internal platform, um, and tons of those were local. We also do the career fairs. So we host a fall career fair every fall that has over 130 employer partners. And then we also have an employer partner program that is kind of a tailored opportunity for a key few employers. It sounds pretty wild. I mean, definitely a busy program for sure. Yeah. And if anybody would like to learn more information about it, I guess just go to MTSU's website and search career. Yep. MTSU.edu backslash career. Sounds good. Again, Becca Crockett with us this morning, director of the MTSU Career Development Center. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Time right now, nine o'clock. News comes your way next. The Good Neighbor Network, WGNS, Murfreesboro, Smyrna, flagship station for MTSU Sports. Courthouse clock time, 9 o'clock.